Good morning. Oh, hi. Hi. How's sleep it going? Well? Uh, I never sleep well in the uh, in the woods. I find it to be both uh, uncomfortable and uh, terrifying. How about yourself? Well, I mean, you you did set up your sleeping bag on that downward slope, and you slept head head below heels. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what were you expecting? Well, that's intentional because mm-hmm. then, like, if there's an attack, I'll make sure that my brain has as much blood and alcohol. I'm um, not alcohol, but <laughs> oxygen <laughs> or alcohol. Just ready to defend myself. I want to make sure that That's I'm smart. primed. Yeah. yeah. Never, never yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I slept okay, but I had uh, crazy bad dreams. I was thinking oh, about a movie that I had watched just before we, you know, set off on the blaze. Hmm. Well, interesting. Yeah. What, what about that movie? Well, uh, I have a few uh, reviews that I've memorized that I thought I would recite to you from memory. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> see if you can see if you can start, start with the, uh, they're not very good reviews. Hmm. Uh, this movie, it's, it's not enough to merit a full 80 minutes in the, says this reviewer in the end, the movie feels like an ingenious short film pumped up for theatrical release. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 80 yeah. minutes isn't very long, so no, and, and we couldn't, couldn't be stretched to fill that time. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, this this next one isn't very much better. Uh, by the time uh, the the uh, the twist is revealed, uh, being asked to care about issues like fate, redemption, and forgiveness, when a Satan in an elevator gimmick hasn't delivered, it's like getting medicinal aftertaste from what should have been a box of delectably fiery red hots. Quite a, wow. quite a word word tangle there, but right. You, know. how, you think how long did he spend or she spend writing that? Oh, like yeah, probably I mean, longer than they spent on the script. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of elevator movies. I think there was one called The Lift from '83. Is that maybe? Is that, maybe? Well, let me okay. read you one more okay. review and see, right. if, see if it eliminates the option. Mm-hmm. There's a short one. Uh, also critical. This movie was nonsensical to the point that every element doesn't hold up to the least bit of scrutiny. Yeah, I think I know what this is. Is this? The 2010 movie Devil. It is actually. Oh wow! Jeez, Jeez. so good. Yeah. Well, after all know. that blood, yeah, too. But that's really must work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to stay sharp. We kept quiz you with movie reviews. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. What What are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you, Do you agree with the reviews, or did you find it better? Uh, I think those reviews are fairly close to accurate. This is a M Night Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. At least in title, uh, he didn't direct it. Uh, he hired someone else to direct it, from really? my knowledge. Yeah, and um, he didn't write it either, although it's story by M. Night, but screenplay by Brian Nelson, who mm-hmm. I don't know who that man is. And uh, yeah, but, but M. Night put his name on it and associated himself with it, and my guess is that he had his hand in not necessarily writing every line, but putting momentum behind story or, or, or subject behind story. So I firmly placed this in his hands. So I will still call it an M. Night movie, even though he did not direct nor write it. <laughs> and, and his whole uh, gimmick is the, the surprise ending, the unexpected mm-hmm. twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, word, that's his whole word. I mean, maybe we should start with the. A brief synopsis, but where did you see the uh, the M Night Shyamalan twist in 
2010 devil. Mm. I have a M night, I guess, concept and I call, I call them M night sandwiches. Oh. And, and this idea is that in some of his movies, not all of his movies, he has these concepts or scenes or situations that go unexplained or appear to be underwritten. And then that he expects his viewers to just eat an M night sandwich. Mm-hmm. And there were many sandwiches in this movie. You're, you're suggesting he overfeeds us with these sandwiches. The idea is that in order for the viewer to continue to remain somewhat engrossed and feeling the story is believable, they have to swallow one of these sandwiches mm. despite their lack of hunger. Not you sure catch what understand I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let me try it. Let me try again. Yeah. So if someone's telling me a story and something seems unbelievable or seems like unlikely or just is nonsensical, but I want to stay kind of in the story and feeling like this is something I'm paying attention to, I have to basically swallow that fact and say, okay, uh, I'll suspend this disbelief so that I can continue to feel like this is a, a, an experience that's worth my time or that I'm engaged in this, this story. Because if it becomes too nonsensical, it's like, ugh, you know, I, I don't even want to pay attention anymore. Like I'm out of it. But in mm. order for me to stay in Devil 2010, it's like there's so many sandwiches uh, that I, I'm, I'm too full to continue. Mm. What, what was one sandwich that you had trouble getting down? I have a list of sandwiches, actually. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you want to start with a short plot summary? Yeah. So um, I guess the whole story hinges around a, a detective who is a recovering alcoholic, and his wife and family were killed in a by a drunk driver. And um, he's, like, dealing with that, processing that. And he and his partner are called to a... Uh, apparent suicide crime scene. Uh, someone jumped from a, a building to their deaths, and uh, the story unfolds, and we learn that the the building from which that person jumped also has a uh, it's like a skyscraper, and there's a, a five people in an elevator who are trapped in an elevator. The I don't know I don't know how the detective gets involved with the elevator is that isn't there is there there's everyone in the elevator proceeds to to get murdered in some and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a locked room whodunit mm-hmm. in the elevator and everyone seems eventually to be a likely candidate as murderer they all they all have they're all horrible people and i don't remember how the detective gets involved if he's only called in after the first murder or if he if he's investigating the suicide and just happens upon the the elevator scene but anyway the detective is um in the security officer's room who are able to see the interior of the elevator and speak to the trapped people inside the elevator but and there's this whole religious vibe as well like the the yeah the whole story is narrated by uh someone of hispanic origin and uh i i guess it's supposed to be the security guard the hispanic security guard Mm-hmm. We find out he he's the one probably telling this story, this voiceover. But anyway, his his whole he's narrating this. His grandmother used to tell him stories about the devil and how the devil shows up and bad things happen and people die and innocent people die and blah blah blah. And uh, he turns out to be the security guard. 
Um, and he's trying to convince the detective that the devil is at work and he can point to video graphic evidence of a, a devilish looking face and strange noises. And yeah. So it, uh, I guess we're meant to think that one of the people trapped in the elevator is the devil. And first you think it's the mattress salesman cause he's kind of creepy looking. And then you think it's, uh, the mechanic guy cause he looks super sketchy and he ditched his, bag on the way into the skyscraper ditched it in the bathroom and then you think it's the temp security guard because he has a criminal record of assault and then you you think it's the old woman because she was caught on video stealing purses in the lobby and then you think it's the young attractive woman because she um i don't remember what she is suspicious for but she's uh uh marrying old men and stealing their money yeah that's right so anyway they're all they're all assholes and uh, <laughs> potentially Satan. And uh, the security guard illustrates this fact by tossing a, a piece of bread up into the air uh, in, in front of the detective. And uh, the bread proceeds to fall <laughs> jelly side down, thus illustrating the work of Satan. Um, and so the, the, whole, the whole theme is that awful things are going to happen because Satan is in the building and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and nobody's really safe. And. And then they call the fire department, and the fire department tries to drill through a wall to get to the elevator. And uh, the guy, the mechanic guy who's trying to fix the elevator shaft, he mm -hmm. falls to his death. And yeah, just kind of a random, in my opinion, just a random, not like super gory, but just like sudden unexpected deaths. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of liked the, uh, you know, the the jump scares and the that I thought was a strong part of the movie was the 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 story kind of leads you leads you to expect that someone's about to die but um i don't know how to describe it anyway the whole thing comes to a close when it turns out that the mecha the mechanic the guy who was who had ditched his bag in the lobby is the last one alive in the elevator and uh he in fact yeah well there's a whole scene at the end where the devil reveals herself i don't know if you want to get into that yet I don't know. It, the movie had very little, like, it obviously had a, a story arc, but there were so many little branches, like, investigating the, the young woman and going to talk to the lawyer and uh, and searching for the the mechanic's bag in the bathroom. It's like, I get that a, that a whodunit has to lead you down some uh, rabbit holes that aren't going to lead to the killer, but mm -hmm. there was no, like, coherence to these to these little trails that the movie went off on. It's like, okay, let's spend, spend two minutes investigating the guy's bag and then spend two minutes interviewing the lawyer. And then there's no like follow-up. There's no resolution of like why that person might still be the killer. It's just like they, some, they just switch schizophrenically to like the next victim. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it was, it was, you know, there's just kind of like a, kind of like the movie went off on these tangents and, and never, never like explained, you know, I mean, I don't know. It just, it didn't, uh, it didn't feel coherent. It was very linear. It was very, yeah, as you're sort of saying, like stair step to stair step, like this is the next thing we'll look at. This is the next thing we'll look at. It didn't necessarily have a, an air of mystery. Like once they looked at one person, then they looked at someone else. And there is kind of like a discovery process that was entertaining as to, well, there's this other person in the elevator who we don't know what their backstory is. And so there's always, there's like this kind of gimmicky character development element where you're still, you're kind of fully engrossed as each character is being revealed, 
But then once you get all of them, you're like, oh, this this is the cast. This is who you decided to put in the elevator. M. Knight was saying that this was based on a Agatha Christie story or book or novel, or I think it's a short story. I'm not totally familiar. It's called, uh, and there were none. And so I guess that was the basis of his, what inspired him to kind of put this story together. It has a, like I said, a gimmick element that keeps you intrigued until you see everyone and then you feel duped in a sense. It's like, oh, this is this is the train I was uh, on. The, the, the movie presents each individual character as uniquely repulsive. Like the mattress guy is super sleazy and, and um, comes across as uh, a, a groper of the of the young attractive woman and then he like delivers this awkward mattress sales pitch to the old woman and he's just kind of sleazy looking mm-hmm. and then we find out that he is under investigation by the better business bureau or something and and is built uh, ripped off all these customers and then yeah and then the secu- the temp security guard is like a history of violence and is super like he's got all these fears of confined spaces and is super like um aggressive when Somebody just twitches a little bit and, and the mechanic guy is like super shifty eyed and seems like uncomfortable and sort of poor and uh, desperate. And the, and the only one who doesn't seem repulsive is the attractive young woman. So then you're immediately kind of led to believe that she might be Satan because she's kind of pulling it off more effortlessly than than all the other obviously repulsive humans are. But of course, it turns out to be the, the old woman who is killed already she she was hung uh in the elevator but i guess that's the shamalam twist is that she un, un undies and reveals herself to be the devil and she um is there to her her target is the mechanic and his refusal to admit that he was the one who drove under the influence and killed the family of the detective and then and then he goes ahead and confesses it on camera to the detective um and that foils satan's scheme somehow and 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 then he's the mechanic is just let 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 off scot free <laughs> well he was taken in by the detective and assumed charged uh oh really okay yeah yeah at the very end the detective brings him in and the detective then forgives the mechanic for you know, killing his wife and daughter, which I guess is an act of uh, a leap of acceptance in a, in a sense. And I imagine that's a, a difficult uh, sort of swallowing to happen if, if, you know, your wife and child were taken away from you. But, you know, he was at that point captured and assumed to be tried. And so of all circumstances, that feels like the most forgivable or at least easily forgivable as opposed to some guy still being out in the world, uh, going unpunished, you know? So he forgives after punishment is in store. And it's like, yeah, I guess there's forgiveness there, but. Well, there's two, there's two problems that I have with that. One is like, I don't immediately understand what the punishment ought to be. Like if, if, if he, you know, went up to the detective's wife and stabbed her through the heart, obviously that's murder. And uh, and and I would understand that he would be brought before a judge and a jury and and tried for that murder. But with something like what he did, which I don't know what you call it, reckless homicide or, or unintentional homicide. Obviously, he was driving drunk uh, and he's going to confess to that, presumably to the to the to the judge and the jury. Mm-hmm. But it was 
indeterminately long ago. He was under control of a substance, and um, and he and he confessed to it. So it's like there's all these mitigating factors that make the punishment and its severity unclear mm-hmm. to to me. It's hard for me to anticipate what he's going to suffer for that mm-hmm. sin. That's one problem. The other problem is that the devil comes across, the old woman comes across as kind of a, a heroic figure, uh, an agent of good, because she's she, the devil, the old woman. Uh, her only objective is to take this guy away to hell and punish him because he won't confess. And when he does confess and submits himself to human judgment and human punishment, she's satisfied and she leaves. But that's all undermined by the fact that all these other people die for no reason, just so she can execute her weird little overcomplicated scheme of needlessly getting them all in an elevator, uh, killing a bunch of people, hanging herself, and and then like, why can't she just go to this guy's house and and threaten to you know do something nasty just to him? Why does it have to be this whole vortex of badness and and everybody's toast getting ruined just so just so the devil can like the devil is an agent of of order. And, but also of disorder at the same time. So it's just, it's just, there's no coherence to it. Well, you know, the devil works in mysterious ways, Brian. Mysteriously clumsy and ineffective ways. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I don't know. But, and, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I felt that the, the devil in, in the category in which you described is actually doing good work in that yeah. he, he's, uh, or she is bringing someone to justice and helping them clean their uh, guilty conscience as opposed right. to enabling them to continue to drink and then injure others or, you know, harbor resentment and, and, you know, be a horrible person. Yeah. So it's an odd role for the devil to play in that situation. And, and additionally, the whole narrative overlay of the, of the guard talking about his grandmother's stories those can those stories contain no hint of this role of the devil. It was just the devil shows up and causes chaos and people die. There was no mirroring of the uh, redemptive, punitive, uh, good work that the devil seems to be up to in, in that grandma version that is told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. So here are the few. Here are a couple of sandwiches. The M9 sandwiches. So first one is that, and this was a little confusing, is that someone commits suicide in a building, uh, throws themselves off, I don't know, 32nd floor or something, lands on top of a, a truck, like a shipping truck or a, a container truck, truck, and then the detectives find that truck four blocks down the road, when clearly in the frame, the truck is stationary and parked in front of the building. And so did that guy, did someone get in the truck? No one noticed the fact that a body fell out of the sky, and then he drove it to a back alley and then abandoned the truck. Like, why is I the think, truck? I thought there, there was when when um, the guy the the cleaner person was buffing the floors with his headphones on. I believe that when the body hit the truck, that the truck started rolling. I, I could be wrong about that, but I I think it was just the impact of the of the object that sent sent the truck uh, okay. moving. But I'll, yeah, I'll I, accept I that. Uh, I'll, I'll eat that sandwich. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, that, but to your point, like there's no, that doesn't go anywhere. There's no follow-up of the moved truck. You know, it doesn't matter to the larger story. 
Except it sets up that scene later where one of the detectives almost gets impaled by a falling piece of glass. Like, so it sets up that jump scare, but there's no, there's no continuation of that little branch, the move, the movement of the truck. Mm-hmm. And someone's jumped off the 32nd floor and it appears that most people in the building, including maintenance staff and those in the surrounding area have any idea that this person has jumped out the window. Like there's one guy cleaning up the glass and it almost seems like he's not even sure where the glass came from. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I think maybe someone did jump out of a window. And it's like, well, it's like midday. Like nobody is is aware of this. No one in the building is is aware. Yeah. And and, you know, does the devil woman provoke this nameless person to commit suicide so that the detective will show up? And if so. Is that objective then to have mechanic guy confess on camera? Like, why would the devil want to set up this opportunity for mechanic guy to absolve himself and confess his guilt? And if if that is if if the devil provoked the suicide or or whatever, why would uh, yeah? It just doesn't make any sense. The story uh, was suggesting that when there's a suicide, it opens a window and sends her attracts the devil to such an event where it's sort of a, I don't know, like um, it baits the devil into coming down and personifying themselves or something like that. There is some, some a window of opportunity when someone commits them, when someone commits a suicide. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. So the other kind of sandwich was, okay, there's only one detective in this city. He's sort of investigating a seemingly un, unconnected event when it as far as the suicide goes and then gets as you were saying earlier gets pulled into the building and then is in the uh surveillance room with security now uh looking into another crime and has totally you know at first they didn't think there were any relation and so like he just kind of abandoned his first crime scene and then moves on to another crime scene and doesn't call in another detective entirely to work on that second seemingly unrelated crime that's going on. Yeah, and, and the detective seems urgently interested in all of the inhabitants of the elevator, all their backstories, before anyone has done anything wrong. He's like getting his partner to chase down the history of who didn't sign in and what's the deal with this temp off uh, security guard. And I believe that's all before there's any wrongdoing in the elevator itself. So like, why are his detective instincts going nuts? <laughs> Unless he thinks that Somehow the suicide might have been a murder or something, but why Why would it just be the five people in the elevator then who were subjects and not everybody in the whole building? Right. It would be something like detective hears front desk or someone saying, hey, there's people stuck in the elevator. And then the detective calls the fire department and then goes about his day. Like there's no there's no reason why a, a, a high level detective would get himself involved in that. You know, it, it kind of escalates. You have like street police that kind of start the process of containing a scene. And, and then, and then at some point later, hours later, detectives come out and start to do their process. So it's just, the roles don't even make sense. And then there's a section where, uh, and I can't remember how this came up, but it was something around along. The, oh, I know what it was. It was the suspicion around the security guy, the temp security guy in the elevator who they thought was hired by the company the husband of the young attractive lady who she is trying to steal his money. I guess they think that he found out the husband found out 
about his wife trying to steal his money. So then he hires a security guard, this temporary security guard, and that's his role in this elevator situation was that he was hired to kill the young lady. And the, the that's absurd in itself. But then one guy suggests, well, why is he killing everyone else? And they had this theory that it's harder to trace the rationale of security guard and then it's pinned up to a mass shooting and the security guard decided to do a mass shooting or that was the plan so they couldn't trace it back to this millionaire but yeah. i've never heard of such a thing and and why would one risk killing five people than just killing one person i realize it kind of removes the attachment to the millionaire but uh, it just seems like unnecessarily risky, and it made it seem like this was a common event that, oh, yeah, well, this happens sometimes. You know, you hire someone to do a hit job, and then the guy's like, you know, don't kill one person. Kill, like, 12 people, you know, because then, then they can't trace it back to me. And the guy's like, okay, I'll just kill 12 people. Yeah, the, uh, the, there's, I think there's two problems, at least, with the with the religious angle, like— the movie starts from the very beginning. I, I thought the beginning scenes where everything was shot upside down, that was really cool, actually. Mm -hmm, um, I agree. Because you, you kind of feel disoriented. And then at the end, it's everything's right side up again. Um, that was cool. But, like, you know, from the beginning, it's the, it's the, it's the voiceover. Grandma used to tell a story. You know the devil's involved. You know that there's going to be a lot of horrible things that happen in this building, and it's all the devil's fault, and God knows how it's going to end. So there's, there's that overarching plot aspect that the viewer has, you know, the frame through which the viewer is going to interpret all these events. And then the detective is bustling around with these extremely implausible and very short uh, whodunit angles. And, and those, those separate pathways, like, did the security guard do it? Did the young, attractive woman do it? They aren't sort of each begun at the at the at the start of the film and allowed to kind of grow instead each one only starts and ends after each individual murder so it's like okay this guy is dead well which of these four was it and then the next guy dies and it's like okay which of these three was it and and but so that was not interesting as a from a from a whodunit story uh angle but that's all undermined by the overarching thing that the viewer knows which is it's just the devil you know, having, having a field day. Cause it's, we're just in that zone of, of the devil and, uh, and chaos and everybody's going to die. So it's like, not only were the detective who done it aspects of the story, uninteresting, the Agatha Christie, uh, part, th those were not satisfying because they were short and uh, implausible, but they were also further all undermined by the whole devil's at work thing. So, I mean, it, it, uh, from a from a mystery standpoint, it just uh, did nothing for me. A couple of other little tiny sliders of sandwiches here. Mm. One being that there's only one mechanic in the building, one engineer that yes. can deal with these issues. <laughs> He's sending this one guy around to fix all this crap. And then, like, the security guy, the second security guy, who then is down in the basement for reasons I can't recall— and then comes across the live wire that's in the water. He decides to take it upon himself to try and, I don't know, repair or, or move this wire out of the water and then completely melts himself. Like, I don't know. Why would he do that? Like, it doesn't seem like within his JD, not to mention it looks 
extremely dangerous. And, and then them chasing around raccoons in the basement just to get a little gimmick of the elevator coming down and maybe smashing someone. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, there's maybe a raccoon in the basement. Maybe there's rats, you know? These are things that seem unnecessarily, you know, kind of shown, let alone why would someone be distracted by such a thing and put themselves in danger? It's like, this is his profession. You think he'd be more aware or more comfortable with those ideas. Yeah. Um, there were also the birds that flew inside the elevator shaft and knocked the mechanic guy off his little perch, and that's when he fell to his death. So, yeah, there. I, th- I um I kind of like those scenes, like the the random involvement of animals and the and the creepy sounds in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right that they don't have any connection to the plot. It's just like let's, let's get another body in this movie. <laughs> but um, the the involvement of nature uh, on behalf of the devil's agenda seems like an appropriate mm. um, thing. I, I feel like okay, I'll accept that. So, kind of the, one of the big points that I don't know where this would go, but and we t- touched on it a little bit, sort of like the. Like the devil character in the movie. I mean, really, it's the keystone and most anticipated character. And so you have like these little cartoon sketches of those in the elevator who, you know, did crimes, nothing horrific. You know, if you if you watch any like detective story on Netflix or something, it's some guy that like melted people in their basement or you know, hung and strangled 12-year-old children. And it's like this horrific stuff where you're like, okay, yeah, these are some horrible stories that maybe they could say the devil made me do it or something like that. But, you know, a guy who has an assault, I mean, that's probably the most common charge uh, that one would get. And then some lady who's extorting money from her husband I mean, that's not really that crazy. You know, these aren't, these aren't like, and yeah. And so the main character DUI accident that kills someone and he may leave the scene before he even knows if everyone's dead, like DUIs and accidents happen all the time. Anyways, point being is that like, these aren't like sinisterly nasty devil motivated crimes. They're just relatively average crimes. And assuming the devil has, things he could be doing or she could be doing like opportunity costs, maybe of spending this much time in this elevator hours in a sense, maybe he's omnipresent. Sure. But physically omnipresent, that's, you know, I don't know. It just feels if he's going to take the time to manifest himself or herself to these group of, of individuals, you'd think there'd be some reason to show up. Like it's just not that significant of a series of crimes or events that would merit is participation. So yeah. point this saying that like the devil is the main character in a sense in this, in this movie. And I just don't see the reason why he would bother. Yeah. I just had the thought that maybe the devil was there to potentially punish any of those five individuals, the, the mattress salesman for his bad business practices or the, attractive woman for her whatever uh extortion extortionate marriages and it was just the mechanic that she settled on because he was the last one to not die but then you have to assume that the devil engineered all those episodes in the elevator put it put it in the idea of x to murder y or or the devil murdered 
each individual themselves, thus winnowing down the group to the mechanic because he was the one that she was really after. Just kind of, you know, they're, they're all assholes who deserve punishment. Maybe the devil didn't really care which one in the end she was left with. She would have been happy with any of the other four, the other three. But this is what feels upside down is that the devil wouldn't be doing the punishing. Wouldn't, wouldn't God be doing the punishing? Like the devil should be giving resources to these individuals and right. helping them, you know, continue their, their sort of malicious ways. So the, the devil shouldn't even be in this elevator. Yeah. Well, there's that dialogue at the end. Like if the devil exists, then that means God has to exist too. And I don't know how we're meant to interpret that, but yeah, that I agree that uh, the devil seems uh, to be acting on the wrong side. For me, the, the, the nonsense, the, the review that mentioned just nonsense was, was the one I resonated with most. There were, there were parts of it that were kind of scary and there were parts of it that were kind of, you know, I thought, well, well done. Like the, the movie looked crisp and it looked good. And, and it was, there were, there were, there were shocks. I wouldn't call I wouldn't say the movie was scary, but there were shocks, but uh, all the actors without exception were just awful like the dialogue was just it felt like they were practicing their dialogue the whole time and it was poorly written the dialogue all the aspects of a mystery whodunit failed or were just distractingly dumb um there was just a yeah just not a well-made movie i don't know it's it was extraordinarily unwell made like it wasn't <laughs> it i don't know I'm not going to just dump on it, but it was nonsense. <laughs> I think this had to sum it up. Yeah, I think that a title change and swapping the devil out with some other entity, some entity that I'm not familiar with, that would make the motivations more sensical to me, would, would be a possible re-edit. Maybe uh, the ghost of Judge Judy, something mm. along those lines. It kind of like Judge Judy. Right. See, that that would make more sense. Judge Judy died and then her ghost was carrying around doing silly things like she gets bored and so she starts pick, pickpocketing you know not a crazy crime just a fool of people you know and then and then she finds herself in the elevator and is like oh these guys are assholes and that's it they're assholes they're not they're not motivated by satan to do anything they're just assholes and then she's like oh my final judgment to make in the courtroom of this elevator and then, yeah, the ghost of Judge Judy. Ghost of Judge Judy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had the metaphor of the of the sandwiches you couldn't swallow. I I see what you mean, but um, for me it was it was split ends mm-hmm. in like a hairstyle. Like I've I've mentioned several the whole each each uh, storyline of who done it. But there's also like the the little flirtation between the detective and that coroner. At the beginning, where you're like, oh, and then and that goes nowhere. And then there's that, the girlfriend of the mechanic who, like, sneaks into the building. And you're like, oh, she's got tattoos. Maybe she's the devil. And then that goes nowhere. And mm-hmm. it's just, there's all these little split ends. And um, I don't know. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the mechanic that got electrocuted is one more body. And uh, and the suicide at the beginning, uh, just, I don't know. And, and that's wanna, the, yeah, just, another just, sandwich just, there. It's like... Ends. Tattoo lady, fiance, or possible wife of mechanic sneaks past entire line of security of policemen 
where they're essentially detaining everyone that's in the building, I'm assuming against their will. I don't even know if that's lawful because none of them have been implicated in a crime whatsoever. And so it's like, you know, another sandwich. So many sandwiches. I don't, I don't feel like they're sandwiches. I feel like they're, they're split ends. Hmm, yeah. But are, we, are you calling a sandwich when I'm calling a split end or are these two different things? Yeah, they're, they're two different things. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There was much about this movie that was unpalatable, un, undigestible. It was supposed to be part of this trilogy of his called The Night Chronicles. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, and it's the unbreak. I saw Unbreakable. It was a long time ago. I did see Split. That was okay. We might consider watching that. But uh, this was far from the mark. And for a kickoff of a, of his chronicles, kind of sad. You know, he had lots of ambitions. You know, it could have been that he himself was motivated by the devil mm, for his wow. uh, coming off of his fame and fortune and thinking that. Whatever he produces, that is going to be amazing. And so he's like, yeah, this is going to be great. I'll go to the premiere. I can't produce something that is without fault. And, you know, his wings, I guess, melted uh, mm, wow. due to this movie. Yeah, <laughs> possibly, possibly. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when we get back uh, to civilization, maybe we could, we could tweet at him and ask him what the hell's going on. Yeah. What, Wayne? Was it a sandwich? Was it? Yeah, lack like of, lack of styling products. How many like, sandwiches do you expect us to eat? Yeah, are you inspired by the devil? Yeah, M. These are good yeah, questions. I mean, yeah, we could we could get that under forty characters, one hundred and forty characters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll be motivated by the devil, so mm. he'll make sure it happens. Yep, or she, or she. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, sir. Yeah, good talk. I guess it's uh, time for breakfast. Yeah. That's the one thing I hate about backpacking is the cuisine. Yeah, it gets old, but, you know, it's either that or cannibalism. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Maybe a little sandwich, a little, little bread, mustard? It, it, you know, if it's from a recent kill, I think it tastes oh, better. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm thinking, like, in my immediate circle here, I'm trying to look around to see what. Well, maybe, there's, maybe there's something over there. Yeah, it should be. Going. Maybe I'll just go down this other blaze. Yeah.